Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at The Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small, family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina. They have Argentine-styled empanadas with 22 globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? In October, they have the chicken pot pie empanada filled with braised chicken, onion, carrots, peas, and a creamy bechamel sauce. Just perfect for fall. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is actually to get a box of frozen empanadas to take home, and you can find the empanadas box in your favorite food delivery apps. Check them out online at theempanadasbox.com for more information, including catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And as a special offer to listeners to the podcast, they are offering 10% off at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Post Cincy podcast at checkout. They're located at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am very happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the food is just fantastic. Thank you again to the Empanadas Box for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And on this episode of the Postcast, we are talking some great news about the Cincinnati GM position. How long is Albright locked up with this team? We talk about that one in part one, as well as a couple of other tidbits around FC Cincinnati. And then in part two, it is in the 11, out of the 18, we touch on college football, we touch on baseball, we go anywhere and everywhere on this episode. Folks, we are in the midst of the international break. Enjoy it. This is going to be your postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, maybe less. No, it's all always of that. more. <laughs> all of that. all of what? There's all, nothing going on. Presumably, I'll have something to say in the intro. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, chief. Good luck with that. <laughs> yes, I'm joined by the chief and only the chief, Grayson. Still in parts unknown. Uh, all I can say is the world is on the brink. Of a world war and Grayson is nowhere to be seen. Chief coincidence or consequence? <laughs> I'd like to think that he's out there trying to save the world. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, do you remember that there was a superhero that was running around downtown Cincinnati called the Shadow Hair a bunch of years ago? I remember Shadow Hair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, like, whenever you didn't hear about the Shadow Hair, I always assumed he was off, you know, keeping the world safe. And yeah. then. We stopped hearing about the shadow hair, and no one bothered to ask if any supervillains had offed him. <laughs> it really makes you realize, like, if superheroes were a thing, and even in just, like, the Batman tier of superhero with, like, really cool gadgets and a lot of free time and money kind of superhero, um, we would give up caring pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, I forget how this topic came up, but somebody, it was like Harry Potter and they were like, well, the most preposterous aspect of Harry Potter is that we would know if there were wizards going around. It's modern society. How could you get away with yeah. something like that? And I'm like, my man, we stopped paying attention to stuff so quickly 
as it is. I, the shadow hair just disappeared, and not a one of us bothered to even consider that, like, the Infinity Wars might be going on, and he got got by an extra-dimensional being. Like, we were just like, you know what? We don't care. The Bengals yeah. are on this weekend. That's way more important. <laughs> like, the ability that we have in modern society to just sort of like, oh, well, that's not on my radar any longer. It's it's right. It's truly commendable. <laughs> I I think too of like, again, my mind's going to Batman here because you know, right. classically you know, the, not a ton of superpowers, right? right. Like if the there most were people, plausible, the most plausible of the yes, superheroes to yes. actually exist. And I do think there would be a certain degree of caring a bit more. If like people could shoot laser beams out of their eyes or conjure storms out of the sky, that that would you'd pay attention to that one. Disrupt society like, a little. But if Batman was killed by like a low level gangster, which is what I assume happened to Shadow Hair, right? Wouldn't you still want to know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but we had that and we don't. Like, yeah. No uh, one, no one has investigated what happened to Shadow here. Now, the most likely Occam's razor here suggests that the person finally gave up being a costume vigilante because presumably <laughs> his parents said he had to pay rent for the basement apartment or move out. Um, it, it can't but, pay well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, costume vigilanteism I don't think pays well. I think that the reason why Batman works is because Batman's a trust fund kid. If Batman yeah. had to hold down a nine to five. I don't think that he could be the, the, you know, he could be the Batman. I don't think that works that way. Right. Or you would just like schedule your crimes for when he's on his shift. Right. <laughs> right. That was, you know, it's like, you know, Darkwing Duck can be the terror that flaps in the night, but you got to go to bed sometime. And if you're burning the candle at both ends, it's just not going to, you can't be falling asleep operating the Batmobile. That's just bad for business. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm now realizing, and I'm sure this has been done elsewhere, but like the most financially stable way for superheroes to work is for them to just like, you know, beat up the drug dealers and steal all the drugs and sell them somewhere else. Right. Right. Like yeah. they're, they're yeah. just bad guys for somewhere else. <laughs> right. Famously, Batman never shows up in court to testify. So we can right. presume that like when he beats the drug dealers up, they're not seizing the evidence. Like it's not being preserved for safekeeping for no. a future prosecution. That's no. not going to happen. It just disappears into a black box that gets turned into, I don't know, universal phone surveillance or, or whatever. Batarangs. Happens. Yes. Extra batarangs. <laughs> I do want to know what happened to the shadow hair. Like that was that was such a cool story that there yeah. was this dude. We had our own superhero, our crime fighting superhero. And it's hard not to notice. I've, I, I read the papers. I, I'm on the interwebs. Um, you know, a lot of crime happened in downtown. I saw we had another another one of those street takeovers that happened over the weekend where people doing donuts and doing burnouts in the middle of the street. Mm -hmm. You have to think that if the shadow hair was still here, that people wouldn't feel <laughs> as free, that the criminal element wouldn't feel as free and emboldened to undertake such activities. So. I honestly would pay to watch Shadow Hair try to shut down the street shutdowns. <laughs> hey, what, what, hey, what knock if you it could? off! Hey, 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 you, you, come on! It's a green light. Just go forward. You can't drive that way. <laughs> I'll tell you this: if he's still alive, which I'm going to call it fifty-fifty chance, um, right. we should have him on the podcast. We he's have to be an FCC. Oh my god! Fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the shadow hair a FCC Cincinnati season ticket holder if he's still alive? 
is Hiding the among shadow us. hair a capo in the Bailey and just hasn't <laughs> revealed to everybody their former life. I mean, that's the beauty of a secret identity is you can what be if a capo. What if, it's, what if it's Grayson? <laughs> what if Grayson is the shadow hair? And that's why he won't use his real name on the podcast, why he won't um, why he won't appear on camera in our upcoming Away Days video from Columbus. And like I said, world goes to shit and uh, they put up the uh, the shadow hair signal in the sky. You know, it's an all hands on deck situation. The rabbit signal up in the air. <laughs> just Cincinnati police the bunny, investing. The bunny, <laughs> the bunny beam. Yeah, no, it's just, it's got like aft tab on the roof of police headquarters on Ezra Charles, like flashing the hair sign every night. It's like, God damn it. He never answers. Where has he gone? You know, the closest person I could think to being a superhero in our city is probably Todd Carnes, because this is absolutely true. Everybody knows him. <laughs> he, he has some proficiency in fighting, if not quite a bit of proficiency in fighting. Can get around in into anywhere. I mean, right. It checks a lot of boxes. I've also never seen him actually working. So I feel like there may be like a a Batman type, you know, situation where he's stealing drug dealer money. (laughs) Or like just a nebulous sales job is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, I got to do a big sale this way for a while. You're always on the road driving around. It's like, where are you going? I got to meet with a client like clients never get met with. But drug dealers do. The shadow hair. Yeah, you know, um, where if the shadow hair still existed, where would he rank? Would he be top 10, top 20, top 50 in terms of people you want to see pull the sword in front of the Bailey? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, he quickly moves into the top 20 territory. I still will probably put the entire 2016 roster ahead of him. Okay, but, but like just taking, after. taking them off the table. Once you oh, get the 2016 roster, he's yeah. top five now. Like but Chalk Chalkman, Chalk the Shadow good. Hair. <laughs> I like the this kid idea. that ran into Harambe's enclosure. Like definitely him. Get his that, shine. That kid is out there. He is. And he's what? How old was he then? Five, let's say. Five. Yeah. How long? I mean, he's probably 12 years old now. He might have been to the Bailey. He might be in the Bailey too, for all we know. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Man, time flies. Yeah. I wanna... oh, also, also, Ooh. also people that need to pull the FC Cincinnati sword. I want a reunion of the people that made the Price Hill Girls video. <laughs> All the CCU guys that got kicked out for making that video. Just That'd pull the sword one. out and just the one go like, where them Price Hill Girls? <laughs> <laughs> On Glenway, baby. If you don't know this song. Yes. If like this, if this song predates your time on the internet, uh, for no <laughs> fault of your own, um, I want what I need everyone to do is I need everyone to pause the podcast and just yep. get onto YouTube and just Google Price and search Price Hill Girls, and then hit me in the comments or on the DMs and thank me for just making your day a little better. Yeah, better. We'll go with better. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Another good one to track down, secret website guy. Secret He's website guy? Out there. Where uh, is the secret website? Maybe the post was the secret website, <laughs> secret website. the whole time. <laughs> um, I really want to talk to the ladies who throw the beads off of their balcony on the march. Oh, yeah. Uh, included in that, the couple of gentlemen who throw hot dogs at the march. Occasionally, Wait, there's people that throw, 
I haven't seen those people. There's free oh, hot dogs in the march. You hang too far back in the march. If you're at the front of the march, there is a particular building with a like rooftop, not rooftop. It's like second floor deck and they grill hot dogs most game days. And they started packaging hot dogs already dressed into a tin foil and throwing them to people marching. Well, that's and outstanding. Really funny. I'm that's lucky awesome. to, enough to have caught one and. They're good. Quality dog. Quality dog. Just a regular ass hot dog. It was delicious. Well, nothing better. <laughs> uh, also on this list, mm. um, I do want the original Sprinkles mascot guy that got fired yeah. for saving that goal that one time. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Like, I'd like to know more about like what was it like to be the anonymous fan favorite? Was he the shadow hair? Also in a costume. Many people asking. Makes you wonder. Uh, we'll probably have to wait a couple more years uh, before this will be truly good. But uh, the little kid that ran out onto the field. Uh, well, he and the Harambe kid can pull the sword at the same time. It'll be adorable. <laughs> the small children who should not be there. <laughs> what about the original members of the FC Cincinnati street team that made oh. those awful videos that keep resurfacing ahead of the team being announced in 2015? I mean, they should be outed at a minimum, but yes. <laughs> Uh, little known fact, I was on the street team, not as an official employee, but I was one of the very first people to sign up for something related to uh, FCC street team. I was promised that if I went to Columbus Crew Games dressed in FCC gear in 2015, I'd be given free season tickets. I never got them. But I did take the helped. pictures. You should have helped for, for free season tickets for life. I mean, they probably would have promised that to you if you did enough, not knowing how far this would go. I uh, could use it now because, Chief, let me tell you, uh, you boys back in the market for actually buying tickets. Oh, Very no. Very depressing. Oh, no. <laughs> the gravy train has ceased. The gravy train has come to an end. Mm. Um, but it's okay. It's probably time. That I actually pay to be a fan. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're going to get an invoice from the team. It's like, uh, here's your invoice for season tickets now. And here's all the money you owe us for not having paid to go into these games for multiple years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not great. Uh, depending on exactly when I publish this, I may have to cut that part out. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to blow cover. Um, oh, no. Ah, <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, well, Chief, I don't know about you, but there isn't a ton to talk about when it comes to FCC. Isn't that uh, great, though? Hold Sunday. on. I just want to I just want to yes. I want to stop and yes. I want to pause and talk about how wonderful a news void is mm. for a club like FC Cincinnati, because at this time of the year. 99% of the news is bad news. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be some new player signing. The rosters are frozen. Um, there's not going to be some cool new thing happening with your club. If your club is well run and you're in good position, you are gearing up for the postseason run. News at this point can only be, for the most part, bad news, except for the one piece of good news that you can get that we got, and we've gotten twice now, which is, Hey, you know that player or that part of your team that you really love? Well, guess what? He's going to stay here a little bit longer. No, it's because yeah. otherwise, if it's not news like that, it's somebody got hurt. Yep. 
somebody stuck out of the country on a visa issue and is going to miss matches. Yeah. Um, there is TBD. drama. TBD. Yes. <laughs> knock on wood. Uh, there's drama or like discord in the locker room. Yeah. Your coach is being fired. Uh, or Howard, he has a job lined up in Europe and just sort of mutually parted ways ahead of the oncoming storm. Well, you know, uh, you know, as you do. No, it's 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 a such a wonderful change of pace to be at this point in the season. Yeah, there's no news. Yeah, this is this is nice. This is refreshing. Um, and what's great, especially being a Cincinnati fan this season, is like we're going into the playoffs with. No worries, no fears. Like <laughs> we we were the best team. There's not a whole lot of like weak links in this team. Like, sure, this team is not perfect. My God, Manchester City loses games, but like feeling pretty good as right. of time of recording right now. This feels really good right now. But the one thing that is nice too is that like if there is one fan base that understands how to handle meaningless games at the end of the season, it's us. Oh yeah. It's me. I'm in this photo. Um, <laughs> yeah. We will be walking in to fan appreciation day to get appreciated by the club Love this coming that. weekend in a completely meaningless game. And what that means is that now in the history of FC Cincinnati, the final game it has played has been utterly meaningless in the overwhelming majority of seasons, except for the first time. It's to the benefit of us, which is so yes. much fun. <laughs> that is nice. Yeah, last year it did matter for at least the first like six minutes, and then I think we were up two to nothing, and then it stopped right. mattering. But um, yeah, no, this feels this feels really good, and I mean we've alluded to it up to this point but let's let's dive into it now the one piece the truly the one piece of news uh this week Chris Albright has been officially extended uh we got the uh, the language is a long term deal I'm not sure we ever had that explicitly spelled out 5 years the word on the street Ooh. is 5 year extension wow so we had him under contract until the end of next year. So does that mean until 2029? I think that it's, uh, yeah, I think so. Wow. It's either, yeah, it's long. I mean, he's earned it. If somebody else wants him, they can pay us a boatload of money because right. this turnaround is nothing short of a miracle. Like, this has been incredible. And, yeah, Albright has absolutely earned it. We've joked about it. And... I don't even know how much of it is joking, given that the trophy came to the city. But Albright and Noonan, and let's throw in Lucho, probably should have a a three person uh, statue outside of TQL at some point yeah. in the future. The thing too about it is that, um, so it's funny. Like a lot of times, contract extensions in sports don't really mean anything. Right. Um, contract extensions, especially, don't ma mean much for players in a league like MLS, where if a bigger league comes calling for your, your star, yeah. no matter how long you have them under contract, a con you're not going to be able to hold the contract up and say, but you're here for five more years. Yeah. If they want to go, they're going to go. Um, that's just the way it is. Coaches to a certain extent, um, not as much as players, but if a bigger league comes calling for your coach or the national team comes calling for your coach, the contract isn't going to matter much. The coach is going to get to go. Yeah. That's just the reality of things. 
General managers, on the other hand, it's interesting. Um, Pat Noonan, probably, I've never heard him say this outright, but I would assume Pat Noonan has aspirations that are much higher than Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, coaching the national team, coaching over in Europe, whatever. Albright? I think Albright would probably like to run a club that's a bigger club than Cincinnati in a bigger league. But MLS GMs, it is such a niche skill set. And tell me if you think I'm off base on this mm. wildly, because I've never really read a lot about this. Yeah. Um, it's not really something you can find a lot of information about. Yeah. But his superpower, if he has one, is that he is very, very good at manipulating the resources in MLS to build a roster that works in this league. And I don't know how repeatable that is elsewhere in the world where, you know, your budgets are mostly unlimited. Your rules are a lot less, you know, you know, the, the techno, the technic the technocracy of it all is a little, a little reduced. I think that a five-year deal for Chris Albright means it's probably really likely he stays here all five of those years uh, versus a five-year player contract or a five-year coaching contract. So I think that this, this deal is big because I think this is a serious long-term commitment to the city, to the club that I think he's probably likely to see out. Yeah, I agree with you there that like MLS GMs are a unique skill set there and what makes it, I think, more difficult to see the value of transferring that skill between Europe and MLS is that uh MLS is so dense and so weird. The European counterparts or international counterparts don't tend to succeed in MLS. So there's not a, a huge free transfer of that skill set. So you see players move back and forth and you can sort of establish, okay, if a player can do this in MLS, we expect them to be able to do this in Germany, this in Austria, whatever the case is. Uh, the GM side of things is untested, but not entirely so. So the name to watch here is Darren Eels. Darren Eels was a uh, front office uh, club president of Atlanta United for their first however many years until last year. Uh, he left Atlanta to take a similar role. I don't believe he's fully in charge, uh, but took a similar role at Newcastle. Just kidding. He's the CEO of Newcastle. I just glanced down at my phone. That was <laughs> so Newcastle, obviously flush with Saudi cash. Kind of hard to judge exactly, you know, how much one person is really impacting it. Although it's very possible to have a lot of money and not sign the right guys. We've seen that plenty of times. Uh, but Newcastle does seem to be doing pretty successful. So that's maybe the path. However, Darren, I believe, was uh, from the UK and had experience in Europe before coming to MLS. So it's a little bit there. Uh, and the Red Bulls have moved some front office staff around, but they're their own weird thing. So it's really hard to judge. Uh, right. So all of that is to say, yeah, it's not usually a skill that moves. Not to say it's not impossible, but unlikely. And MLS, I, this is the part I think is interesting. MLS is still so new. And as like as fans of the league, and especially if you're, you know, in your 30s or younger, MLS has existed your entire life. So sometimes the perspective is hard to find here. But MLS is so new. It's super dominant clubs don't 
truly exists. The parody is still there. If Albright is as good as his job as these last couple of years have shown, 2029 could very well have proven FC Cincinnati to be the biggest club in MLS, and he puts a stamp on his resume that he can build a super club and dominate a league for nearly a decade. And then, yeah, then the opportunities are there. So I think if he does see it out and FCC is successful, I could see him moving on then. But like you said, not before then. That doesn't right. that doesn't feel like a threat to me. It's interesting too that I hope that whatever Chris like honestly whatever he wants to achieve in life, I hope he achieves it. Mm-hmm. He's earned it. Like the the success and the instant success is incredible, especially when virtually every pundit known to mankind said that this was a suicide mission of a job that yes. they, they were years years away from being competitive. Um. It's yeah, insane. It, what, from whatever. being competitive. Yeah. Not, not from, from winning trophies. <laughs> yeah. Not from winning supporter shield. That yes. was just like competitive. Qualifying Man. for the playoffs. Yes. Um, so I hope he achieves whatever it is that he wants to do. And like, yeah, I do hope that there, it would be nice for this league for people that are American born American-raised mm-hmm. sporting directors, general managers to get opportunities elsewhere. It's just rare. Um, the American-born coach moving to Europe at a high level is rare. Yes. The American-born GM moving to Europe at a high level is virtually unheard of. Yeah. Um, I would love to change that. I would love Albright to be the person eventually that changes that and opens the doors for Americans to be at the highest level of the P the premier league or the Bundesliga of making all of these decisions at clubs to build clubs. I just, I don't know that that's something that's going to change itself in the span of this contract for Albright. And if it does, it'll mean that he was so wildly successful beyond anything we can comprehend right now that forced the issue with him moving overseas. So either way, it's a win for us. And what's so great about this contract extension that the frame and the lens I want to look through it at is that there is, if he wanted to go someplace bigger, he'd get a lot of looks right now. I'm thinking specifically of Los Angeles, um, where there's an absolutely dysfunctional LA Galaxy team that I'll bet the league would love a Chris (laughs) Albright to turn around. You got an expansion team coming in San Diego, which if FC Cincinnati was bad, San Diego's a blank slate. You can do the Cincinnati style build without having to shuffle around bad contracts. There are jobs like that that open in MLS all the time. Yep. And getting this extension done now makes it so that we take all that off the table for five years. And he's yep. here. He gets to build his system and continue to build here in Cincinnati. And I was in full disclosure, starting to get a little worried that the better this season went, and especially the better Pupenza started to play, (laughs) where it's like he really hasn't missed any of his transfers since coming here. Yeah. That every day that this happens, there's the opportunity and the possibility that somebody just throws an absolute bag at him on a back channel and says, hey, you want to come to San Diego? Keep it quiet, but here's the number we're prepared to offer. Yeah. And then he, you know, forces his way out. Yeah. Or See, waits. Yeah. 
Yeah, see out the deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that a hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, now if if he does want to leave, great. Uh, FCC has him under contract, and it's not unheard of for transfer fees to be paid for not players in this sport. Uh, we've seen coaches move for transfer fees in MLS recently. So, but like, I'm not even worried about that anymore right, because right. The, the fact that he inked the deal that tells me that he's he's not even thinking about that. The that, intention like, he's is the, there, yeah. That that he. It's a commitment by ownership to him, and I hope he got a really nice raise. Really, mm-hmm. really, he's earned every dime of it. But this is a commitment to stay here, and um, that's cool. Yeah. It's cool that Albright has sort of planted his flag here, and he's made Cincinnati his home. This is his club. This is what he's built. This is the first thing that he himself, that he alone has built and fixed, and that's kind of cool. And it's cool yeah. that the club is, is that he's going to keep having an opportunity to see what goes next. And the funny thing is, is that from his point of view, what's act two? <laughs> you know, you've won yeah. supporter shield. All right. The easy act two is, is MLS cup. Sure. But let's just think, you know, if he wins that this year and they'll be the betting favorite to win MLS cup, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. What do you do as act two? Like, how do you capital? How do you improve it? What's the next step for this club? I don't know the answer. I'm kind of curious to hear what your take is. I mean, like when, when yeah. he signs this deal and he projects out five years, yeah, what does success look like? Like, how do you improve on what these, how do you improve on what's happened this year where you almost set the points record? That's, that's a good question. So I suspect there are two answers to that. One is you just keep climbing up the ladder, right? So if you've conquered the league, which I'm going to claim the supporter shield as conquering the league, the next thing is international. So it's CONCACAF Champions Cup and it's Leagues Cup. And I know like Leagues Cup, I, I don't know which one you want to consider more prestigious or more important, but Champions Cup gets you into the Club World Cup, which is expanding its format and being played in the United States in a couple of years. So you could very well see Cincinnati playing Club World Cup games in the United States in the near future. That would be a pretty sweet second act. And if uh, my memory serves me correct, you don't even necessarily need to win CONCACAF Champions Cup. I think you just need like a second place finish because so many teams from each region are going. I don't remember the exact format. I'm not going to look it up. They keep changing it. Uh, So I think that's part of it. I think the other part is, and I suspect this is the answer he would actually give you, is we need to solidify the academy and the academy pipeline of talent to the first team. That that I think would be the true mark of building a successful program because yes, transfers in and out are crucial and important and you can very well make your living as a club doing exactly that. Brentford in the Premier League, uh I don't know famously was what I was going to say, but I don't know how many people know this, uh gave up on having an academy. They <laughs> just don't have one. Uh if they identify like good not really my, talent, not really my thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they're like a sabermetrics club as it is. So like if they identify a super young talented player that they like, they'll sign them and loan them to I think Wimbledon is like their unofficial official minor league affiliate. Uh but they don't have an academy. Uh but 
most other teams around the world do. And I think that'll be the big thing for Albright is getting that set up for Cincinnati mm. and and we start seeing more academy talent. Pipeline. I mean, that would be, <sighs> yeah. be pretty cool. Because that's the that's the piece that Philly still kicks our ass on, which is all of the sort of end of roster guys, the super cheap deals, the senior minimums and the youth minimums are good, effective contributors that grow into really, really good pros that Philly, being a fairly cheap franchise, tends to sell on very quickly. Uh, But if you're able to have the back half of your roster be incredibly talented youngsters and Cincinnati gives you the money to go buy Aaron Bupenza and Lucho Acosta, again, like the blueprint is Philly, but better. And what are the rules on I'm I'm so bad at the academy type stuff. Like, can we go and recruit internationally for the academy or are we limited to just our territorial region for that? So internationally they'll have to be 18 so i think we can put them into the two team and that's what you've seen with the handful but i mean like, of like like you know but what yeah. if like you know what if great american financial decides to <laughs> offer a job to two very hard-working members sure. of you know some family that santiago arias identifies in colombia and they oh look they have a kid that's seven eight years Whoa. old who's a soccer playing prodigy like would there be what would the rules be on that per se so if you remember, as a Chelsea fan, uh, yes. Chelsea has occasionally been under transfer bans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that. Yeah. They were wow. doing that. <laughs> so just don't get caught. Yeah, basically. That's, okay. And that is the Barcelona playbook, which is yes. don't get caught. Now, this is where like the advantage of being in the EU is great because your parents can move whenever, wherever, and it doesn't matter. Nobody can ask any questions. And that's kind of one of the things that a lot of like, Premier League purists were worried about was it really hampers their ability to recruit under 18 year old kids <laughs> to join their academies. And I wish I was joking, but that's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's all I'm now, saying here. I will say MLS has slowly, 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 and they still have some super dumb and honestly, kind of mean-spirited rules. Uh, But they have sort of eased up the ability for MLS teams to recruit in the United States. So we have a number of guys in our academy that were from the D.C. Academy, from the New York Academy, from the Kansas City Academy. Don't we have to pay the money if they join our scene? Is it the thing with Jimenez, that if Jimenez does something, that we have to pay something to someone? Uh, I think Very it's good. Al- this is great report. <laughs> if he does something, we owe someone something. Uh, based on that wording, <laughs> wording, yes, that is true. <laughs> I think it's if he signs a professional deal, we owe hundreds of thousands of dollars to DC United for his rights. Uh, he ends up being very expensive uh, if he signs. I think it's a second contract or something. Okay. Because uh, he has a deal now this year. Um, right. <clears throat> So, yeah, so they, they are letting uh, a little more of the recruitment happen there. So um, I don't know. Good for the but, league. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I wanna, what I want, what my vision for FC Cincinnati is, Chris, if you're listening, and I know you're a listener, um, <laughs> just it's well known. Um, remember how back in the USL days we had Joe Sue and it was like, <laughs> get brought up, he was like from the Barcelona Academy. 
Yeah. But like every apparently everyone got into some version of a Barcelona Academy somewhere. Don't yeah. they have academies all over the world? Like there's Barcelona Academies you can go to that are Yeah, and they're mostly scams. <laughs> yeah. Even better. Let's start right. like <laughs> let's start some scam academies places. I want some FC I want FC Cincinnati worldwide. Let's do this. I that would be hilarious. Especially like Miami could do that. I think Miami, right. if they aren't capitalizing on this moment and i'm being very diligent with my wording here yeah um, <laughs> you want to buy a ticket and go see a movie with me <laughs> you know i was thinking oh my god i almost just screwed up it, a better punishment or at least a topical punishment would have been a book report on a particular documentary series that came out on apple tv but that's fine. I like our punishment more. <laughs> Someone reminded me of Tifo painting. We have to decide now. We're in the unenviable task of deciding what the, the next violation's punishment is. <laughs> and it somehow has to get worse. <laughs> we'll wait till Grayson returns from fighting crime in order to make that decision. Yeah. Um, no, they definitely, Miami definitely should be doing yeah. that. There should be some more capitalization on that. That would be what I would do. It's like, hey, you want to have your kids come play with, you know? Yeah, Let's do this. Eight grand for a <laughs> one week residency where some guy wearing the Miami tracksuit will sit in a chair and watch your kid run drills uh, for four hours a day. And then they'll leave with all of your money. <laughs> they will have one opportunity for a photo with him. Don't yeah. touch him. Don't touch him during the photo. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get some random player you've never heard of that technically made three appearances one time for right. Miami. The scam would be as if like the photo that they took was like, with him appearing to coach the kid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where it was like, hey, my son, he was coached individually by you know who. Look at this. Yeah. I have a photo that proves it. And meanwhile, it was just a stage. <laughs> you were just paying for a staged photo with him. 100%. <laughs> blowing a whistle at your kid. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want, I want scan. I want FC Cincinnati Academies worldwide. I want everyone to join the academy. Join us. Send yeah. your kids. Yeah um yeah so yeah i think that's the next step for albright is getting the academy up and running i seems to have gotten the uh the transfer thing figured out pretty quickly yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it turns out building a roster seems to be not much of a challenge for him it turns out yeah <laughs> i mean i'm trying to think like like if you were looking for like incremental achievements that would give you more and more confidence, how about like a big MLS move that doesn't involve Philly? That'd be kind of cool. That'd be a yeah. fun move. Um, Ali Bedoya, Kai Wagner <laughs> looming out there, but um, yeah, I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see that maybe. Um, but yeah, other than that, like so far so good. And bring on next year with. We'll be in four competitions between the league, Champions Cup, Leagues Cup, Open Cup. Yeah. Wow. So I, I floated this idea out to someone who may or may not be employed currently by FC Cincinnati. With all the competitions that we have next year, and I agree with you, I think that one of his goals should be and would be that we would like to see FC Cincinnati make a deep CONCACAF Champions Cup run. Yeah. That, okay. So we have season ticket package, right? You pay for your season tickets. You'll be very familiar with this concept starting next year. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think what the club needs to do in order to really cement that, hey, we go for every trophy. Yeah. Is that there is an option that you can click with your season tickets that is a one-time cost. 
pick a number, $25, $50, whatever it is, and you pay that up front and you get tickets to every single extra match. Now that may be just one because we get dumped out in the first round of each one of these cup competitions, or it may be all the way through up to the, uh, the finals. But, but you opt in early, and that gets you into, if we have a CONCACAF Champions Cup at TQL, if we host the U.S. Open Cup, and also all the FCC2 matches. So you buy on your $50 expansion Ooh. pass, your DLC, and that gets you into all the matches then. And then whatever of those aren't sold by season ticket holders, you offer it to everybody on the waiting list. Like, hey, you can still, you can still buy the DLC without owning the full game. And if you do that, we're going to up your priority to the top of the list for getting season tickets on the waiting list. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Why not? Help Chris Albright fulfill his next goal. <laughs> Keep Chris happy. We could almost make it like a GoFundMe for like another DP. Like fund, fund Chris Albright, a replacement <laughs> left back, left wing back. <laughs> buy, buy your season ticket. At DLC, so we can raise eight it's million. Like, there's a bar on the website that's like how close we are to our exactly. goal of signing Kai Wagner. You're please, please give generously. Actually, I want the bar to constantly update with like the caliber player we could afford at this level. No, it's like it's so. like kick, it's Kickstarter at this level we can afford this player. But if we keep getting donations, we're going to upgrade to an international player. <laughs> on one hand, it's Josu now, who I assume is still <laughs> playing in India, and on the other end, it's like Alfonso Davies, and it's like. <laughs> Keep keep throwing cash at it, guys. Right. We'll figure it we out. We are limited only by your creativity. <laughs> yeah, I think we could do this. <laughs> that is that is kind of like our old idea of uh, opening up the uh, NIL for MLS and just like weaponizing <laughs> fan bases to to fund uh, players. So, so uh, um, yeah. Joe Sue currently is playing for UE. Figueres, uh, that plays uh, in the autonomous community of Catalonia, wow. in the uh, Primera Catalonia League, looks I, like. That's impressive. Well, good for him. Uh, he's, he's joined a yeah. separatist group. Liga, some... <laughs> uh, it's Liga Elite, originally named the Superliga Catalana, is the sixth tier of the Spanish <laughs> football system. And that's wow. where Joe Sue is right now. Wow. He made Bring him uh, back for the sword. <laughs> he's made uh, 30 appearances since 2022 and he scored five goals. Look at him go. Yeah. When's the last time he played uh, for Kerala or Kerala? Has not played since. Uh, but when, when did he last play? 2017. Okay. Right before us. Here is a great. All right. Joe Sue, FC Cincinnati legend. Yep. Kevin Wallace, your trivia question for the night. Now pause before we answer to give the fans listening at home an opportunity to answer this question. Okay. How many appearances for FC Cincinnati did Joe Sue make? <laughs> this is a great question. Hmm. <clears throat> so appearances. Uh, that's uh, starts and subs. Hmm. All right. Mulling it over. Mulling it over. Uh, I'm going to guess an exact number. I'm not going to give you a lame over this or under that. Okay. He made 12 appearances. 
15. Oh, that was close. Man. I feel like if you would have asked me that question 20 seconds ago, my answer would have been like, oh, like 30? Yeah, right. Like 40? <laughs> it was like he was here forever. Was he here for two seasons or just one? Two seasons. Wow. 15 appearances over two seasons. It's a legend. If Wikipedia is to be believed. If they would never lie. It was about Joe. Why would they? About Joe Sue? No. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to look. I'm, Who would be editing up, those down? <laughs> I'm going to look up on transfer market here real quick. Because that oh, seems really, good. that seems really low. <laughs> I mean, I remember what a, he's. What a career. He started the Chicago fire match when we were trying to throw it. That's that's so he, the one he, I always remember. So, so he, he was might on not our B been, team. Yeah. He might not have been good. It's but they lo- they loved him at Kerala. Kerala. That's how you spell it. The Blasters. Man. But according to this, he only made 16 appearances with the Blasters. Why did they love this guy so much? I people still love him here. I think I still love him here. So I don't know. <laughs> you just say Barcelona Academy and you fall in love with the guy. They do not have a great uh, history here for Josu on transfer market. It's very sad. He's oh, wait, here we go. Spent a lot of time off off the uh, radar there. Right. This is great radio, by the way. <laughs> Two dudes Googling. <laughs> right. It's like, hey, guys, check this shit out. Uh, Man. I don't know. This is good. Josu, yeah. It looks like, including the playoffs, 19 total appearances. Wow. <laughs> sure that's Legend. hilarious <laughs> still sword worthy though i think oh yeah we i mean me you and dan mcnally might be the only three people who remember josu <laughs> oh i guarantee you more people remember josu yeah, no, he's out there he's out there man how many people working in the front office know josu though uh, unless you really like Joe Sue was also kind of like an internet legend too, where like yeah. the only reason most people knew who Joe Sue was is just because of all the Indian fans that were constantly chiming in on the mentions about how great <laughs> Joe Sue was. Man. Incidentally, if the one thing that Joe Sue and Kamahilo Mokocho have taught me is that you can never base your opinion of a player's worth on how excited or unhappy a po- there's former teams fans are to lose this player. <laughs> because based on the reaction of the Joe Sue fans and the Makocho fans, we should have had two gold. We should have had two Ballon d'Or um, yes. candidates that were signing with FC Cincinnati. <laughs> and instead, we got below average players who crashed out pretty right. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> he did score that PK in the Chicago Fire game. That was pretty cool. That's all you need from a guy. So. Uh, I think the lesson here is Chris Albright signed Josu. I think that's what we're going for. Yeah. For the Academy. Yeah. for Vibes guy. Come I mean, on. he went to the Barcelona Academy. He was scammed out of money to do that. He can teach these kids valuable lessons. Surely he remembers a couple of drills that they gave him, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <clears throat> Other quick hit, I'll say, on uh, FC Cincinnati news. Uh, There was only one. Uh, Isaiah Foster made his way back to Cincinnati. He made zero appearances out on loan uh, for the Colorado Switchbacks, uh, therefore ineligible to participate in the USL playoffs. And he's too late to be registered to FCC's senior team, and the two-team season is over. So, welcome back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I got. Right. Uh, hopefully he uh, he takes another step forward 
next season because he is someone that I, I think we mentioned in the uh, preseason that he was being scouted by Bundesliga teams. That was the uh, that was the scouting report I, on his scouting reports. So I just hope he still has a parking space at the Mercy Health Training Center. <laughs> it's, it's possible he doesn't know where it that is. They, so. that they gave that away. <laughs> Chris Albright now gets two. He can just park directly in between spaces because he's the boss. Exactly. Uh, and like you said, other than that, uh, no news. I'll, I'll say this too. Uh, we talked about this. No news is good news. I have not seen as of the time of recording, uh, any FC Cincinnati coaching staff names linked to other jobs in the league. I expect that to change before now in the end of the year or now in the beginning of next season. But right now I like that, not necessarily for our guys' careers, but I like that for our team. So, so far so good. I think it would be, foolish for teams not to look at Dom Kinnear and Kenny Arena specifically for coaching yeah. jobs. And it's this weird thing. I don't want them to go, but also like I don't want to be the person out here saying, no, I never want you to be a head coach when it's clearly like Dom has been a head coach. I think Kenny wants to be a head coach. And I am it will be to our benefit if this is the case. I wonder if teams will be shy about interviewing Kenny arena because of his father right mm. now in this moment. I hope that's not, I hope that's not the case, but yeah, I mean, it's MLS though. They'll, they'll, they'll call him up. I hope I mean, so. Half, half of more than half of new England seems pissed that Bruce even left anyway. So it's right. clearly not a <laughs> somebody, untouchable situation or something. Somebody <laughs> online who I follow Who's um I forget what his Twitter name is, but he's a consistently good follow who's a Rebs fan. Suggested that for the replacement coach, the funniest thing ever would be if they brought Kenny Arena in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, you know, that would be awesome. And it I would, would be really I would, funny. <laughs> I would give that a standing ovation and wish Kenny the best in all his future endeavors. And be like, There's two games a year I won't be rooting for you. But other than that, man, I hope you go make a you go make bank. I mean, then the irony with would then be FCC hires Bruce as an assistant coach. <laughs> so then, so it's Dom Kinnear and Bruce Arena as two like old MLS veterans <laughs> coaching behind Coach Noonan. That would be Some, somebody. Somebody had a great idea. I can't take credit for this. And again, I wish I knew who to give credit to, but I just don't remember where I saw it. But that the funniest, the best thing ever would be that if the FC hires Bruce Arena to be the person that helps get their NWSL team off the ground. Oh, so, that there, so that there is no requirement that you talk to the commissioner or get any clearance whatsoever because it's a completely different league. <laughs> Man, that would be really funny. Yeah, it'd be awesome. That'd be so good. <laughs> our coach for our NWSL team is Bruce Serena. <laughs> Man. Uh, also throw it out there, uh, Ricardo Payas. Uh, don't want him to go either. So just no. rounding out the entire coaching staff there. Yeah. Um, Chief, does that do it for part one? Yes. The only thing I'd want to add is that while we were talking, I Please. realized when, you know, this all goes pear-shaped and, you know, we're all looking for work or whatever the situation may be. Mm-hmm. We and we decide we're gonna quit our jobs and go full time with content creation. Yeah, 
we got to write Shadow Hair into the Doctor Cop universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Shadow Hair in the Doctor Cop, man. Dr. Cop Attorney at Law. Sorry. Dr. Cop Attorney at Law. I want to give her um, a full title. <laughs> absolutely. Don't want to short her any of her many accomplishments, but as Ooh. the DA, she would be required to interact with Shadow Hair. <laughs> She's treating the, the wounds of Shadow Hair's victims as a doctor. And of course, we've just established she's a pediatrician, so right. he's beating up children here. No, it's there would be an entire episode of Dr. Cop Attorney at Law where Dr. Cop has to work with her police, former police colleagues, in order to build a uh, build the case that Shadow Hair has, you know, he's... Ooh, yeah. Because Shadow Hair can't testify without revealing his secret identity. The yep. confrontation of the Constitution, clause of the Constitution is clear on this. You can't have a mass vigilante not giving up his background information to a, the defense attorney. So they have to go back and recreate Shadow Hair's investigation and get all the evidence so that otherwise Shadow Hair has to reveal himself to keep some like supervillain in prison. Okay, sure. We can go realistic. Although I'm now imagining a jury of his peers. He's on trial, but all of his peers have to be. Also superheroes and costume, vigilantes. Costume yes. vigilantes. <laughs> they're the only people who can judge him. <laughs> it would be like that scene in the recruitment uh, when they're recruiting new super, new superheroes from Mystery Men back yes, in the 90s. Yes. <laughs> like Dane Cook is the waffler coming in. Just the lamest, the <laughs> lamest superheroes. Just up the jury pool. <laughs> Man. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, I don't know. The, the shoveler, William H. Macy, is the foreman. <laughs> such an underrated movie i know grayson agrees with me on this take but mystery men was just released about like 10 years 15 years too early yeah if you don't know what i'm talking about go watch this movie it's it will it will hit completely different in a post avengers infinity wars and like post like superhero team up movie yes it's the rare instance where the parody was released before the movie that it was parodying yes yes honestly it feels like just prime postseason content off-season content of a rewatch of uh mystery men yeah i think it'd be good let's do it um and with that chief we're off to part two let's do it this episode is also brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here. And we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code ThePostCincy for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. We're back. 
thank you again, Sensei Shirts, for giving us nice clean breaks between segments here now. We did it, Chief. Once upon a time, I was doing random segment breaks for nothing. And now we got something to put in there. And I think, yeah. What better time time than right now to go order something from Sensei Shirts? It's postseason time. You're going to want some fresh threads to start the postseason. Yep. And the good news is, is that if they do, they lose while you're wearing them, you can always pivot back to wearing the other shirt because it's the best two of three series. So true. Also, Chief legally can't say this, but I can. Go buy the not supporter shield shirt from Cincy Shirts. <laughs> if it's still up, I don't know exactly where that stands. <laughs> it's great, great look. It's a great look. Just yeah, however you choose to celebrate, celebrate responsibly and use promo code the post Cincy at checkout. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so Chief, part two, we're just we're going back to the classic in the 11, out of the 18. Uh, Chief, do you want to go, you're in the 11, in my the 11, out of your 18, out of my 18? Because Yeah, let's go 11-11, and watch, you lead off as the host. Too often, Oof. you are doing Oof. the duty. We're I'm all in. co-hosts anyway, so yeah, it's true. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm allowing you to lead off on this one. Kevin, what is in your 11 this week? All right, so this story came out a couple of weeks ago, but it just came across my desk uh, this weekend. Really, really enjoyed this one. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to read you this headline, and then I'll, I'll pick out a couple of key bits from the uh, the news story here. Uh, the headline uh, in Fortune magazine, artist right. ordered to pay museum back $77,000 after submitting two blank canvases under the title Take the money and run. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, they didn't let him get away with this? This is awful. I know. I'm also realizing that my... uh Ah, okay, good. Reader mode for the win. We just we just got around that paywall. Uh, Danish, Danish. Wow, I can I can pronounce things. Danish artist Jens Hanning was ordered by a Copenhagen court to pay the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art uh, around seventy six thousand dollars after his audacious stunt set off nearly a two-year legal fight. Basically, <laughs> how this works out is they lent him a bunch of money to do a sequel to a work that uh, that they had done. I said he. I think it's a lady, actually. Excuse me. Uh, no, it's you. his. It's his. It's his. Excuse me. Um, he had made an original artwork uh, that was called "The Average Austrian Annual Income and the Average Danish Annual Income," and the paintings were just essentially pasted uh, bills, currency onto the canvases. That was the average annual income for an Austrian. <laughs> the other one was for a Danish person. Now they wanted a sequel to that, uh, and they went ahead and lent him the money to be able to do this. And then he just turned around and submitted blank artwork (laughs) and said, the actual artwork is me stealing all of your money. (laughs) So yeah, if Banksy did this, everyone would think it was incredible. Exactly. Exactly. This feels really unfair. Like wasn't Banksy the one that did that like painting a bunch of years ago where there was a mechanism that shredded the thing as soon as it was sold. Yes. As soon as it was sold at auction. Yes. How is this any different? 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like this quote, though, from uh, the artist Haning. Uh, the work is that I've taken their money. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this is this really is art. I feel like if you displayed this, people would really appreciate this. But now, this, this would be a major tourist attraction at any museum that this was being displayed at. So, you know who agrees with you? Who? The museum that was ripped off. So, uh, <laughs> and this came up in court and was really, I think the, the main tussle here uh, is that the, the museum praises the submitted piece on its website, arguing that it acts as, quote, a critique of mechanisms within the art world, but also points to larger structures in our society. At the time, the museum director, Anderson, admitted to seeing the funny side of the submission. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you can't do that to my man. You can't be bitching at the dude that you ripped us off while simultaneously talking about it as a great piece of art. You've got to right. if you don't think if you think you got ripped off, you got to throw the thing in the dumpster and try and get your money back. But the minute you start showing it, you prove his point. I would turn around and sue them for malicious for malicious use of process here and vexatious litigation. This is bullshit. Uh, very funny. I did not read to the end of the article before doing this, but the last paragraph is. <laughs> it's the most comparing most, it. This is. Oh, please. Good. No, I'm like the most post thing no, ever. I, was say, that, like, I didn't read to the end of this, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Yes. Well, the, uh, reading to the end of it, the last two paragraphs, they just spend the time uh, comparing it to Banksy's 2018 artwork that shredded itself. So, there we go. Well See? done. Yeah. <laughs> this guy art critiques right here. <laughs> so there you go. That is in my 11. Um, I will say. I am not one of those people that hates on modern art. I very much appreciate it. I have read many uh, books and like artist theories on their their seemingly simplistic works. So I I don't want this to be taken as like a anti modern art thing. I just found that very particular story very amusing. So I just find like the whole modern art is. I think the only difference between. Like, objectively, a blank canvas is a blank canvas. There's nothing yes. there. There's nothing. Yes. But you pair it with the story and the explanation, and all of a sudden it becomes art. That's exactly. like where that's my disconnect with modern art is that everything is art and nothing is art in modern art, depending on what it is that you say that you're what vision you are attempting to express with it. So like, you know, there was the old like Calvin and Hobbes thing where he goes to art class and just puts a dot on like a white piece of paper. It's a polar bear blinking in a blizzard. Right. And it's like, <laughs> OK, that's funny. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what would you do? I just flung paint into canvas. This is an expression of the anger I feel within. Or right. I, I blindly swatted at the canvas. And this is my representation of chaos theory and the beauty that emerges from within chaos. And otherwise, you're just an idiot swinging your hand around with a paintbrush. But if you t express it a certain way, then it becomes art. And it's like. It's hard for me to wrap my head around, but I do appreciate when it's funny like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it works with like traditional paintings as well. Like you can imagine a painting of like, I don't know, some like gigantic Baroque painting. Um, 
and it's like some woman with a horrified look on her face. And you can say, oh, this is the look of a woman watching her child die in some horrific way during this great tragedy. And it's really moving because you have that story. <coughs> but the same painting and with the story being like, this is a woman watching, uh, you know, her last slice of pie being eaten. You know, it stops meaning <laughs> as much with, with the story that you've attached not just, to. Not just seems like this weird kind of... <laughs> Snuff fairy kind of thing. Right. right. Snuff film thing. I don't know. Weird. So that's in my 11, Chief. What do you find in your 11? In my 11 are movie theaters. So I don't know if you saw the clips of this, but there are a lot of people online that are big mad. And the the debate about etiquette in the movie theaters is on. (laughs) Um, So apparently... Taylor Swift, um, if you're a Swifty and you didn't want to wait in line on a virtual queue for 18 hours and spend thousands of dollars buying tickets to go see one of her shows, you could pay your money and go to your local AMC theater and watch the Eras tour in a movie theater. And the videos that are being released of people (laughs) at these, if you thought people were just going to calmly sit in their chairs and munch their popcorn and watch a concert on a movie theater screen, boy, were you fucking dead wrong. Um, (laughs) So the Internet is like completely split and divided and fighting over whether or not it is appropriate behavior at a movie that is a concert to treat it like a concert and be standing singing along like that sort of scream singing where yeah. you're not really keep you're not trying to sing the song you're just trying to belt the lyrics out as loudly as possible yeah and what is that what like what does that mean for your fellow patron who may have just wanted to sit and watch the things calmly in the movie theater and your dumb yolo ass is up screaming and singing <laughs> shake it off at like as loudly as possible i don't know i just love that it's tearing the internet apart as to whether or not this is a good mm. thing or a bad thing where do you come down on this? I have thoughts. I have thoughts too. I so to me if you go to a concert, yeah. You are signing up for a concert experience. And right. like I've had this fight with people at concerts before where the band comes on and I stand up. Right. And people behind me are just sitting down, they're like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "It's a fucking concert. I'm going to stand up, I'm going to sing, I'm going to, you know, put my beer up in the air during the anthem, you know, you know, all that sort of concert yeah. type stuff. There's an expectation. You know what you're getting yourself into. If I buy a ticket to a movie theater, mm-hmm. I expect to be able to sit. Chill. There's certain yeah. rules at the movie theater that, you know, you can laugh. You can, you know, clap when, you know, the Avengers assemble. But for the most part, you're supposed to sit there and respect that your fellow patrons are also here in this space and want to appreciate and do whatever I would. I think it's kind of a dick move to turn it into a concert where nobody paid to hear you sing. They paid to hear, you know, Tay Tay sing. So, yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) The one time I would switch it up, but I'm curious if this changes it for you. Are you going to say Rocky horror picture show? Because that was the thing my friends came up with earlier today when I was bitching about this. But that's like, again, a cultural assumption that you're getting. And most of the time, a theater will tell you if it's interactive, quote unquote, or not. Right. Um, No, I would say if the concert is being simulcast, I think I'm fine with treating it like a concert. 
But it is a concert film, I believe, yeah. is the Taylor Swift thing. So it's different. Like, you have to treat it like a film. It's a pre-cut thing and everything else. Because I have gone, I'm curious if you've done this, I have gone to the theater twice for live events. So yes. I watched a USA-Mexico game. I'm, I'm going to forget the year, but it was like, they had to play a one-off playoff game to see who would go to the Confederations Cup in Russia that year. I think it was Russia. Uh, and we lost, and that was a big problem there. Um, and the other was a Monty Python uh, like farewell tour thing that they did and that was fun um but yeah i don't know have you done live movie theater events i went with my wife once to see a thing it was like a biography film on jane goodall that was followed by a live q a that was being streamed to oh. movie theaters so that was that was you know educational jane yeah. goodall w noted wonderful human um <laughs> <laughs> i did that and boy i'm really gonna date myself now on this one i went to a i went to go watch a boxing Ooh. match that was like a because I, I don't know like people know this but like back in the day before cable and this this was decidedly during the cable era like it right. was just a thing that a movie theater was doing for old time's sake you used to go watch big boxing fights or like wrestlemania like you would go watch it on closed circuit television that was being done at movies where it was like yes. okay they signed up to have a stream or a feed of the fight and that's how you watched it. You didn't order the fight in your home. You went somewhere right. to watch the fight. So when I was living out on the East Coast for one of those big, I think it was a Tyson fight or a Holy or a George Foreman fight, we went and we watched it at a movie theater, me and a couple of friends, because it was cool. But yeah, yeah, like I like the idea of using movie theaters in this space. I think that this is a great use for them in an era where uh, so much of the content now is going direct to your TV screen. I'm actually staying woke on this story that I think movie theaters are pushing it as a reminder to people that movie theaters exist. Ooh, I like it. Especially in Taylor Swift's demographic, where there's probably a lot of people that were at this movie, Taylor Swift screening, that have maybe never set foot in a movie theater in their lives. That's a very good point. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I wish more things were in movie theaters. Because like I said, like that uh, USA-Mexico game, that was great. I would love to watch more sports in a movie theater. Because like, I don't know, you can watch in a sports bar, but most movie theaters nowadays have you know, decent food or have some option to send it to your seat or whatever. Or, yeah, you just like get up at halftime and, oh, it's a movie theater. They're used to large numbers of people. You're not going to like overwhelm so, the bartender. So where do you fall on this then? The mm. this is more a this is more of an NBA NHL thing than it is any place okay. else. The uh, Stanley Cup finals or NBA finals. We are opening the arena for people to watch the game when the team is on the road. Are you pro or con that? I mm, so I was going to say con, but I actually did this for the New York Red Bulls playoff game. I went to the watch party at DQL Stadium. <laughs> so I guess I'm pro or otherwise yeah. I'm an awful hypocrite. Um, I signed up for the TQL one thinking 
uh, I guess stupidly, that we would watch it on a big screen and you'd get to sit in a seat in TKL Stadium. That is not what it was. We were all like down in the first financial club watching on different screens, which is fine, but not quite what I thought we were signing up for. I will say, and this is my hope, is the Disney Plus recasting a rebroadcast of the london game two, the toy story andy's toy box thing yes yeah we are really close to being able to go to tql stadium for an away game and have a sort of laser projection of the game broadcast onto the field so that you can have a home environment on while the team's on the road I would love the shit out of that. <laughs> I mean, once we get that, how far away are we from you just being able to put on one of uh, Tim Apple's VR headsets and oh. being able to enjoy the game from the comfort of your own home in the Bailey environment? I did that uh, a couple of years ago. Fox, they used to. I don't know if they still do. Fox used to broadcast certain games in VR. And I watched MLS Cup Final 2017, 2018. It was one of the Toronto-Seattle matches in Toronto. So whichever one that was. Uh, I watched it on a Google Cardboard headset. So I had set the whole thing up. Headphones. <laughs> you watched a soccer game with a fucking box on your head <laughs> i did and you know what it worked pretty good it worked pretty good it was great you could the way it was set up is it would start you off in a uh in a suite is how it would work so right. then it, it, i don't know if people use this that much uh but you could like there was like a button that you could press on this headset i i had uh you box. click the button to move in it was a it was like a I have it somewhere. It's like a plastic contraption. So right. I it was it was more than just the cardboard box that they promised that it could be made with. Um, but you could push a button, you'd be out like outside of your box, so you could watch the game. And from there, if you looked into the crowd, there were like four or five other spots in the crowd you could zap to and watch the game from. And one of them was in the supporter section in Toronto. And it was dope. You could just like sit there, look around, and the capos were going, the drums were going and everything. You watch the game from there. You could zap back over to the other side. It was pretty cool. So Did I, they really um, give you the full experience with the capo making eye contact with the camera and saying, start singing? <laughs> Man, they really should have. Uh, the Austin capo throwing water at yeah, you. The water yeah, the water at the end. <laughs> the guy, the Seattle guy going, fight and win. <laughs> Man. Uh, so, yeah, I know I am all in on the, uh, the Apple headset. I want that to be a thing. Well, movie theaters, Apple headsets. We can get that going. I think yeah. we're... We're good to go for sports fans. You won't have to buy tickets then. You won't have to buy those season tickets. You'll have plenty of choices then at that point. Uh, it also opens up, if you can get like the laser projection of the team on the field, then it doesn't matter where you play the games. It just have mm. the whole league in Vegas, Orlando, New York, wherever they want to live. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You're just on the holodeck at this point. I don't yeah. know if I'm into this. <laughs> this world is boring. Just give yeah, me the just virtual have, one. <laughs> you'll just have it's just FIFA is all it is. <laughs> That's really what it boils up to. I just don't watch FIFA. <laughs> oh. uh, Kevin, what's out of your 18? Out of my 18, uh, 
This should not be a surprise to you, Chief. It is one Scott Satterfield. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm pulling, Man, I'm pulling the ripcord. Why did it take all of you people like mo- this long to realize that? This guy looked like a snake oil salesman and a used car salesman yeah. from Jump. It yeah. was incredibly suspicious that this dude left an ACC program. Makes you think. <laughs> signed with Cincinnati. And then coached against his old team in the bowl game. Like it was. Yeah. Very <laughs> weird. So there was weird. a lot of bad. There was a lot of bad juju with all this that went on. Like this guy just seems. It's something always things- about this guy is something about this guy has rubbed me the wrong way since yes. he was hired. And just, I don't know, man, like this seems like a bad, this guy seems like bad news. And I, I just, I get fr- hardcore fraud vibes and it didn't help that Louisville until this week was ranked. Right, right. That Without was, him. <laughs> I think they're still clinging on I, in the latest AP poll Louisville is. But yeah, man, uh, if people aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, University of Cincinnati's head football coach. Um, not great. I almost feel like losing to Miami was a fireable offense right there. It had been, I think, since, you know, uh, ben Roethlisberger was at Miami since Miami. Been a minute. Beaten. It's been a you minute. See, yeah, that was that was a rough one, and it's just the most uninspired, uninteresting play calling. He's not great at recruiting, and yeah, like he's the guy that found his ceiling at Louisville. He wasn't gonna get better at Cincinnati. It's not like he ran some like clever, unique scheme that he needs time to build. It was just, it's, it's very confusing. The only thing I can think of is if they thought he would be an average to below average coach and they just wanted a fall guy for the transition to the big 12 and then we'll try again in a year or two. But like, they just, they didn't want to burn like a good coach with the transition. I don't know. It's very sad. (laughs) (laughs) The good news is, though, is that um, you always want a shitty coach or a great coach. You never want the middling coach. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to be bad, let me know quickly. Yes. And we can all move on. And this guy seems like someone that you want to move on with really quickly. Yeah. Uh, What's funny is, too, uh, is one, this means he's probably becoming a U.S. senator in the near future. So look out for that. (laughs) UC used up an enormous amount of karma in two ways recently that Duncan talked about enough. Number one was evacuating to the Big 12 prior to the demise of the Pac-12, where a lot of those schools would have gotten poached first and maybe the big 12 wouldn't have looked at UCF, 100%. Houston and UC. <laughs> That's a ton of karma points that are just used up. You've spent all your MP on yep. that. What, what karma points you had remaining have all been put into that. Every time Tommy Tuberville's name is mentioned, it's never former UC coach and current Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, because <laughs> if that was still attached to them, as like he's denying elections and holding up appointments for like generals <laughs> yes. while we're on the brink of World War Three, it wouldn't be great for the brand. I'm just going to put it that way. Look, we uh, we somehow made a deal with the mainstream media, <clears throat> the lamestream Lame- media, <laughs> <laughs> the haters and the losers of which there are many. We pin Tuberville on Auburn, which is great. <laughs> and we get to remind everybody that Travis Kelsey went to the University of Cincinnati. And yeah. I'm willing to bet 
Uh, too many people think he's from Cincinnati. He's definitely yeah. from Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of karma being spent on Travis Kelsey getting with the aforementioned Taylor Swift, Tommy Tuberville sort of being a forgotten member of the UC coaching dynasty and then the, the Big 12. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, the list of like places former UC head coaches have gone on to uh, was pretty great of like Michigan State, Notre Dame, Tennessee, now Wisconsin, the U.S. Senate. <laughs> so I, I ask you this. Urban Meyer right now. Yay or nay? Nay. You know what kills Boo, me? Come on. Here's the problem is like. I don't even think he can be successful anymore. I don't think kids take him seriously anymore. Like, I think before his little stint in the NFL, he could have been taken seriously. I don't think they'll take him seriously anymore. Uh, What kills me, though, is, well, yes, it has its flaws. Allegedly, Deion Sanders was looking at UC before Colorado, and I really wish we made a run. That would have been my next question. Even after blowing a 29 to nothing lead against Stanford, Still Deion Sanders right now, you're taking him? I would rather have a team that has leads and then blows them versus whatever that was. Fair point. (laughs) And he turned around, what, a one, a two-team loss team in 20 years now? This is is still pretty impressive what he's doing out there. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I want to point out that 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 UC did lose this weekend to a team that lost to Ohio University. The transitive properties be, here aren't yeah, great. <laughs> that'll be that will be two teams this year that UC has lost to that have lost to Ohio University because there ain't no way Miami's beaten OU either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like I said, like if he was like trying to implement some like crazy, you know, triple option offense, then I could understand some degree of you know, hey, he needs time to implement his system. Blah blah blah. No, it's not there. I'm. This is where I point out Tulane University returned to the top 25 this week. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe we should have stayed in the American. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Big 12 took the wrong school. So I'm throwing, throwing that out there. <laughs> a former SEC member. Man, it's astonishing. They didn't just want that on the resume. Right. Just That's the... like former Barcelona Academy member. <laughs> <laughs> just the biggest unforced error in college athletics history. Uh, Chief, what are you putting out of the 18 then? Out of the 18 this week is baseball. Oh, Um, just all of it. Okay, good. All of it. The entirety of baseball. Baseball is a fraud sport. Mm. Completely fraud. Many people saying very unfair. Um, Here's why baseball is out of the 18. Kevin, did you know? And this is, there's actually an FC Cincinnati point to this, which is fun. Um. The five, the teams with the five best records mm-hmm. in the MLB postseason went a combined one in 13 <laughs> in the postseason and have all been eliminated, including three teams, the Baltimore Orioles, the Atlanta Braves, and uh, who's the third team? The Los Angeles Dodgers. A hundred win teams wow. all now out of the baseball postseason. And I know it hasn't happened here in a very long time. Winning 100 games in baseball is staggeringly difficult. It's an 162-game season. You won 100 of them. And here's the connection point to FC Cincinnati. Yeah, Baseball is out of the 18 because baseball's playoff format 
absolutely sucks. It is the worst. You spend 162 games determining which teams are the best. And then after this abhorrently long season where injuries, luck, everything tends to even out and the top talent tends to rise to the top, your fate in the postseason comes down to a best of five series, five games, in which most teams won't have to throw half their rotation. In a baseball season, you only have your absolute best team on the field 30 times a year because your best starter only pitches 30 times a year, 32 mm-hmm. times a year. Um, baseball's postseason format sucks. And it is just yet another example of why um, the Supporters Shield is the superior trophy. That, that idea of having the best record, of proving it week in and week out, is what really matters. And once you reach the postseason, it is just a crapshoot of luck, of form, of being hot and the right moments falling to you at the right times. Because as baseball has proven, 100 wins, incredibly meaningless in terms of who is going to end up hoisting the whatever the fuck they call their trophy in baseball with all the pointy ends on it that you can't drink out of the commissioner's trophy the commissioner's it's something know. boring like that the bud ceiling trophy <laughs> but i yeah. agree with you and so and so this is just a a, a way of saying and a preview of saying that <laughs> we're about to go into the postseason yes and i pledge to you listeners and kevin I'm going to have unreasonable takes. <laughs> Just what I do. I That's the brand, emo- baby. <laughs> yeah, emotion takes me in the moment. And, you know, Twitter's right there at all times. If I'm feeling happy, Twitter's right there. If I'm feeling sad, Twitter's right there. It needs to be further away from me, but it's not. It's on my phone. But yeah. me, in a moment of sober reflection right now, this season is already a success. This season is already as successful as you could ever hope a season to be. And if we don't win MLS Cup, it is not because this team is a bunch of bums or frauds or players that choke in the big moments, all of which are things I anticipate that I'm going to say if they lose. Playoffs suck. Playoffs are a crapshoot. Playoffs are objectively the worst way to determine anything um, of note, other than who did the best in this one little short series of games that we call a postseason. Yes, I agree with you, but I think the target is slightly off. I think the postseason is relatively okay for baseball. I said the regular season is too damn long. Like we talked about this uh, on the last episode uh, a little bit about like meaningful MLS games and how nobody cares about the MLS regular season. I don't buy that completely. I 100% buy it with baseball. One game in a baseball season doesn't matter. Who cares? 20 of them don't matter. If 100 games, 100 wins is a good season, you're kind of conceding 40 of the games don't matter. Just like period, because you're never winning 120 of these games, right? Like, <laughs> no. so like 40 of them don't matter. Um, and the worst teams will win 40 games. So, like, 
who cares about the other ones that you've lost? I think, and I, I, I could be wrong. I think this is the first year baseball had every team play everybody or something like that. No, I don't they, even still, know. they still don't do that. They're okay. still not full. Or maybe yeah, they did still... that a COVID year or something. This is my big gripe with baseball, which is like you've got Otani and Aaron Judge and all these like big stars in baseball that never come to Cincinnati ever because they play in another league and other teams in other divisions. But all the teams play a stupid number of regular season games. So you can't say, oh, well, it'd be really hard to get the Yankees to Cincinnati with the schedule. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. That's a dumb argument. So this is my proposal, Chief, and I'm curious if you take me up on it. There's two ways to do this. One, every team plays everybody two games at their place, two games at our place. That's a 116-game season. That's a huge fucking season. Right. And then you do something of a postseason. You still keep traditional National League, American League, but you blow up divisions at this point, and you just do whatever you want. One versus six, one versus seven, or two versus seven, and one gets a buy. However you want to do it for your top ones, and you still do the best of three, best of five, best of seven setup. or You play three games home, three games away, everybody. That's 174 games, no postseason. Best record wins. See, the problem with scenario number two is that at the end of the day, these are all TV products now. Mm -hmm. Like, the reason why European soccer is the way it is is that they're not TV products. Right. They were never designed for TV in the first place. They were... They existed in a pre-media world, and in a lot of places, the media world that they existed in was state-run media, where there was no profit yeah. motive to be involved. I mean, the first soccer matches in the UK were broadcast on the BBC, if I recall correctly. Where And their national they, teams still are, typically right. in Europe, owned by the government, their where rights. There, yeah. there is no need for commercial breaks on the BBC or stoppages to play yeah. because it's the license fee that you pay for owning a radio or a television is what funds the BBC. In America, from jump, sports have needed to conform themselves to media that is profit-based media, which yeah. means that as soon as baseball started putting games on the radio, they needed to find a way to have advertising breaks. Why is the NFL so popular? Because the way the game is set up, there is tons of time to stop and have advertising inventory. Yeah. That and like illegal gambling back in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> yeah. Very illegal gambling. Um, the point of this is all to say that um, if you were redesigning the Premier League today, they would absolutely have playoffs because you need a reason for people to keep watching games yeah. after Man City has wrapped the league up in week match week 25. Right. Your second scenario in baseball would functionally the league would functionally be over most years by. You know, yeah, late September. July. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> Even if the league wasn't in doubt, individual cities would start to drop off in terms of like, well, we are so far out, we're never coming back. And then what reason is there to go to a game? Whereas the hint of a postseason tournament theoretically keeps you watching and keeps you caring about what's going on. But I'm in big time on the two home, two away. Yeah. And we have a balanced schedule. And then we send everybody to a postseason tournament that qualifies. 
that like the fact that baseball can't put its biggest stars in every city every year while also playing an absurd number of games is so stupid. And I understand pitchers won't necessarily be that way, but most of their star players, your your Bryce Harper, does Bryce Harper ever get to play you know, the Yankees, does he play the Angels like once every right. eight years or whatever the, the schedule is? Like, it's so stupid and that see, they do would, that. What I would do in your scenario, because you're shortening the number of games, right? is that mo- people forget, and you shouldn't forget in Cincinnati because we were one of the teams involved in this, but for a very short period of time, I think it was three or four years between like 1919 and 1921-22, mm-hmm. the, the World Series, best of nine. Not best of seven. <laughs> so move your playoff series then to best of nine. And then you, no one can bitch whatsoever. That'll mean you're making two trips through the rotation in a best of nine series. And you, oh, can't, like hide, you can't hide a shitty fifth starter and a shitty fourth starter in a nine-game series. You can't hide a shitty bullpen in a nine-game series. I like that a lot. I mean, why not drag out the postseason? If the regular season's already this long... Why not just do, yeah, seven-game series all the way through the playoffs and then make the World Series nine? Like, why not? Yeah, my other fix to baseball is that at the minimum right now, if you're not – they need to cut the number of games down. I completely agree with you on that. But um, the postseason, the fix to all this is that, okay, all postseason series need to be best of seven and back off a few games to make that a reality. And then the postseason, it needs to be five home, two away. Like the idea of having a split between home and away, there should be a way bigger home field advantage in baseball. I like that. You play two home, then go away, play two home, go. I would even even get wild with it. And um, I'm on an island on this one. I realize this is a wacky take is that I would compare records and I would have a mathematical formula to figure out how many home games you get based on the difference in record between the two games, <laughs> where if it's like a huge difference between the two, there yeah. could be a possibility that all seven games in the series are on the road for some team because, hey, you <laughs> you suck something fierce compared to this other team. They are that much better than you that they just get all of the home games in this series. I love that. And or then even, really yeah. make an incentive to run the goddamn score up in the regular season, where it's like, if we can keep winning enough games, the possibility yeah exists that we may never have to go on the road in the post the postseason i mean you want to say goodbye to uh to the unwritten rules make the equation strictly your run differential, run differential. oh i love <laughs> this i'd love that yeah you're like we're gonna send our pythag to the moon on this shit man yep it's like, like oh <laughs> you guys having a rough day at the office well that sucks but we need 15 runs out of this game <laughs> it'd be like old college football during the the uh the pre-bcs era where it's like we got to run every one of these scores up because the voters are watching <laughs> yep yeah the half these people are only looking at the box score in the paper the day after so right if we if we win 40 to 2 or 55 to, to 4 you know that's a that's a major difference let's kill these guys that's another thing that the kids today just don't understand this is our old man ultras part of the podcast if you're still listening is that college football used to be wild man like you'd have steve spurrier just heinously dunking on teams because they needed to like the style points to stay 
stay number one in the polls. Absolutely. <laughs> have, like, the Florida Gators back in the day crushing teams like 40, 50 points <laughs> still with the starters in the fourth quarter because, damn it, we need to keep on top of this poll for another week. <laughs> and nowadays we get was it Butch Jones crying about uh, whoever it was, Alabama or something, or Mississippi State was up 70 to three on them. Well, like, do you remember there, there was that there was that wonderful couple of years where it was all determined by the computers? Yes. And there was the BCS computers and like whatever the algorithm was, it was like, OK, well, you got to it takes into account margin of victory. So everyone was just absolutely running the score up in all these games because the computers thought it was important. Oh, I just love that baseball in particular is so worried about like running up the score, celebrating when you're ahead. Yeah. If you change this to like if your run differential is, you know, for every 20 runs you have ahead of them, you win back a, a home playoff game or something. Yeah. <laughs> Having dudes doing backflips up 15 runs in a game in mid-September versus a team that's been eliminated months ago. I love it. I, lo- I absolutely love it. Uh, but yeah, See, we fix we fix baseball. We fix baseball easy. in a soccer podcast. Two two home, two away. That guarantees a weekend appearance uh, against every team. I think if you balance it out properly, you get Dude, the you get one weekend is, date against every team. Yeah, I thought like the the record thing for just games over five hundred. The run thing is crazy. That would be so much fun. <laughs> oh my god, pitchers would have such shorter leeches too. <laughs> get him out of there. He's got yeah, two like, runs. <laughs> your your scoreboard watching down the stretch to see okay all right the <laughs> the Dodgers just won by 15 we got we got work to do today boys <laughs> oh man I mean that's kind of what like adds to the excitement and the drama of you know like Premier League table watching and stuff it's like yeah you, you're watching those run differentials I will say though chief the three home three away works very nicely pairs very well with just adopting promotion relegation through the entire minor league system. I hate so it. one I of hate your it. favorites. I hate pro row. <laughs> no, it's um I, I love challenging this idea that like in the postseason in sports, teams all are entitled to a home game of some sort. No, you're not. Yeah. So if you're that shitty, you should like the NFL has this figured out. There's no guaranteed home games for certain teams. There's all like when the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl the last go around, they didn't play a single game at home until they got to the Super Bowl. And that was just because Tampa was hosting it that year. Which is very like, funny. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, yeah, you should like there should be no like if you're some shitty team, some horseshit team with a negative run differential that just barely snuck into the playoffs, Arizona Diamondbacks, you shouldn't get any home games in the postseason. That's nonsense. Absolutely. You should just be happy to be here. I, I your also, fans can all go. You can open the stadium up, and your fans can all watch on the jumbotron. We've established that's an okay thing. We'll do the laser broadcast on the field like yeah, Kevin wants. They'll love it. Um, <laughs> I also love the idea of like in a in a different rule set. You could just trade a home game for a couple of runs. So like. I give me five runs in this game or three runs in this game, but we play this one on the road. I don't know what the or let the teams the negotiate numbers. with that. We're gonna get, let yeah. the teams negotiate that. It's like okay, we're giving up a home game, but we get four outs an inning. Right. 
<laughs> Home runs count for double. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving him a home game, but at three times during the game, someone can just blast an air horn in the pitcher's ear while he's in his windup. I mean, this feels like how baseball was actually run in the dead ball era. So. No, what it feels like, this is what banana ball is currently with like the Savannah bananas. This is exactly how this would work. I think that's actually what I want. I just want banana ball for, for all of baseball. <laughs> oh, God. Well, hey, the soccer podcast that fired a UC football coach and totally reformed baseball. How about there we it? Go. Let's see. How about that? And you thought there'd be no content this week when we started recording. Oh, man. There's always content. There's always money in the banana stand. Always money in the banana stand. <sighs> well, Chief, I believe that does it for this episode of the postcast. I will say, if somebody is, for some reason, still listening to this, one, thank you. I love you. Two, uh, this week we got a pretty good guest lined up, so keep an eye out for that one. Yeah. And that's all I got. Oh. Fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.